don't know what the hell we're going to talk about this week. Fuck it, we'll do it live. There this it is, is state of emergency. Yeah, the only with, thing you uh, the fuck it live thing. <laughs> with uh, Peter Schorch, my co-host, Jared Moskowitz, the former uh, director of Florida's Division of Emergency Management. I'm here, but I missed the intro. I missed the intro. What happened? Yeah, we cursed, so don't let your mother hear it. You didn't uh, miss anything. And then joining us, um, I mean, podcast magic usually happens when he and I are on. Um, Politico Florida Bureau Chief Matt Dixon, a week out from getting married, Matt? Podcast. I mean, you're married now, but like... Oh, you, you know, stepped I was going to say podcast magic is also my favorite strain of medical marijuana, but you, <laughs> you, you, you didn't give me a moment to jump in there, damn it. Like, you're, step, you're stepping on my jokes here. So this is, this is awkward because, you know, I'm on a podcast with someone whose wife texts me all the time. It's awkward. <laughs> I did a, Why is Michelle I, texting I, you? I, no, not your wife. I, I, I am on a podcast with someone whose wife texts me all the time, too, but I'm not going to say who. <laughs> Listen, I have a simple rule. You pay half the mortgage, you're going to have half the wife. <laughs> Yeah, no, to your earlier question, Peter, yeah, we, uh, I, I get married, well, I'm legally married, but we go down for our big uh, ceremony in Mexico on Tuesday, and then off to Hawaii for a couple weeks. So I will, uh, this will be my, my sounds, last time. Sounds COVID friendly, good luck. Yeah, no, no, we've, uh, we've <laughs> well, hey, we've, we've, delay, we've delayed for two years, we're all vaxxed up, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're whole, plugging our nose and taking the plunge here. Go get yourself that new Merck drug. That was announced today. Yeah, I saw it was I saw it was announced today. Yeah, that's uh all right. I'll yeah, uh, if, you, if you owned Merck stock before today, you had a good day today. Yeah, I I, I unfortunately did not, but I you could have told me that yesterday. That'd have been great. Officially, <laughs> you think I know clear, all the secrets? You're not going to Lambo for your wedding then, just to be clear. Like that's no, not no, happening. there was there there will be no uh we are going to uh just outside of Mexico City, which is which is indeed not Lambo. I am looking at Merck stock right now, Jared. Wow, that's nice. That look, yeah, that's that's uh, that will pay for uh, a couple of uh, drinks on the next Disney cruise. Thank you for that. I remember yeah, that Disney, I had you got a Disney plug-in. I I figured with the the anniversary and everything, uh, you were yeah. Happy uh, birthday wow. to Disney World. Uh, the happiest place on earth turns fifty today. Let's let's just guess. How many times has Matt been to um, well, Disney World? I have been there twice, once as an adult and once as a five-year-old. Oh. Jared, how, long, how many times have you been there? Oh, God, countless times, but clearly more times with my kids than my parents took me myself. Yeah, what the, yeah exactly. What's the over-under over on the number of times Peter's going to mention Disney on this podcast? <laughs> well, listen, I can help with that, Peter. What do you think about Universal Studios in California mandating the vaccine for all people to attend or they must show a negative test? Uh, Universal Studios did that. You think Disney should follow? Um, I think Disney, whatever it decides to do, um, is probably the best decision. I don't interfere. I love it. Don't Disney. mess with the mouse. I love it. Well, it is an interesting point that you bring up, which is there is... There is Disney California attitude and Disney Florida attitude. And, you know, there is a lot of internal mechanics going on or uh, back and forth going on because the company would like to act more like Disney California and the Disney Florida, like the, the go along with the DeSantis stuff and um, the, the, the attitude that they, you know, they didn't even really go along with it, but the, the, I, I guess like the kind of the, 
like they kind of were like the market leader on kind of forcing some decisions. Um, that's more what the company wants to do. It's a much more liberal company, much more woke company, a much more forward thinking company than what, you know, what the Florida operation has to put up with. Not that the people that work at Florida want it to be, but what they have to put up with in order to, you know, do business in the state. The transactional nature of politics, you got to exist in the ecosystem you're in. So we got Mac Dixon on the podcast today. Matt, what are you seeing out? I mean, I follow your Twitter. You're, you're probably more active on Twitter than Peter, which is almost an impossibility. Wait, are you uh, playing host right now? Are you, are you, are you, did you just push me out of the, uh, the side? No, I didn't. I didn't, but you did a two minute infomercial for Disney. So I figured <laughs> I'd ask a question. I, I actually thought the transition was good there, Peter. You might want to send this one out. Peter, go ahead. It's your show. I'm just, I'm just no. here in my basement. Wait, I thought you guys are co-hosts. Isn't it both your shows? You, listen, he he gave me the co-hosting <laughs> to to make me feel better. But you, Peter co-hosts with nobody. I see. I see. All right. So All right let's well, let's. I have a question for you, Matt. Yeah, what do you see out there? What do you see out there right now? I mean, you're. You're pretty active. Just, on it. Wonderful <laughs> question. I'm now a writer for the podcast. I write all the material. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so is that an actual question? I, it, well, I mean, at this point, it has to be. The audience is going to leave us after four minutes if uh, yeah. we don't go. What is the uh, what's the big trend lines out there? We're a year out from uh, basically the heat of the election season. Yeah. Um, what well, are you seeing right now? Well, well, we've been focusing on a lot because I think it's the most, it, pretty much the most important thing there is from from a political standpoint is the the voter registration stuff. We've, I've written several stories about that recently, and it's been a, kind of a focus of mine. Uh, Republicans are probably going to overtake Democrats, and it's a, it's something Democrats have seen coming for a very long time in Florida. They've had a massive voter registration, you know, lead for. Very long time, seven hundred thousand going back to two thousand eight, and slowly but surely, Republicans have chipped away. And Governor DeSantis uh, has put in, you know, one point five two million dollars. Both House and Senate campaigns are are putting in two hundred fifty thousand dollars, investing in Republican voter registration efforts. And and right now, you know, Democrats have have sort of been caught flat footed yet again. They're trying. I mean, they're they're doing sort of disparate efforts that are loosely organized. But my main focus, uh, you know, sort of recently personally has has been sort of monitoring that as we go into, you know, it's going to be, you know, an, an important midterm. And if Republicans overtake Democrats, you know, that's that's tough. Well, Matt, you're being uh, kind. Uh, you're being kind. Let me tell you something. For, for all of the quote unquote democratic anger at Ron DeSantis or, you know, the democratic anger that existed with Trump winning the state in more votes than we've seen in a long period of time, don't excuse the abysmal registration effort that is going on by the Democratic Party. Remember, that was supposed to be revitalized. We've had a change of leadership there. And the fact that the Republicans are out registering the Democrats, and they are going to surpass us on the current trend. Let me tell you something. Yeah. It's already an uphill battle to take out an incumbent, but when they're out registering you, you don't stand a chance. 
I mean, uh, Democrats and election day in 2020 had a, you know, more than 200,000 registration advantage and they still Trump still won the state by three points. So, I mean, NPAs matter. I mean, it's not necessarily a political death sentence, but in this state where Republicans control everything, it's about as close to a political death sentence as you could have. And I mean, sadly, this, this whole transition is going to turn into a red state before my book drops. And it was the whole book was supposed to be about swing states. So you Democrats, I mean, it's come on, Jared, man. I'm available. Right, it, to, I'm um, available to write the foreword. By the way, <laughs> is it my theory on uh, one part of it is that it's actually even worse than the registration is showing, and I, I almost want to say this is kind of a a Ryan Tyson argument that they during the pandemic I think there was like a thousand people moving to Florida every day, and that we became kind of like, hey, if you're if you are a um, a center right person if you're you know a retired firefighter if you're a small business owner who's at the end of his career and you are getting ready to hang it up move to florida because they're they don't have the woke bullshit that you know new york has or you know any parts of the the, the northeast i almost think that i think it's actually worse right now that the, the people that are coming to florida um almost overwhelmingly um lean right and i think people that are progressives if you're a progressive up north or something like that you're looking at florida it looks like a shit show to you uh it's anti-abortion it's anti-choice it's anti-everything else that you might uh hold dear and you're picking a city like i don't know atlanta uh austin you're going well i I don't know where else you're going but it just doesn't feel like the people that are moving to florida are the people that are going to be out there marching for black lives matter Sumter County's had one of the, the, the fastest growing MSAs for years. I mean, it, it's not a brand new thing, and that's the Villages. I mean, I have I have a I have an umbrella to this day from my time at the Villages Daily Sun that says it's one of the fastest growing regions in the in the country. It says that says it right on the umbrella, so you know it must be true. And that's been going on for you know a decade. And so it's not you know just the Villages. There's there's Southwest Florida and there's other places, but the influx of of retirees to, to that big old retirement community in the center part of florida is just a you know just a magnet for republican voters from across the country or at least east of the mississippi jared is it is it on us um you are you and i are both kind of centrists uh you're more left-leaning than i am i think but our uh, this is kind of like the david brooks argument that we kind of screwed it up that we're so arrogant in our elitism and our belief in the meritocracy that we have just and we just lorded over um, other good, hardworking middle-class folks, they just, and who just want to be out there, you know, with their pickup truck and a boat, and they don't want to hear every five minutes about how they are, you know, responsible for all the wrongs in the world. I mean, is, is the, I think it's, um, Brooks wrote the book, uh, Bobo's in Paradise, and now I think it's a, he's got an update to it, you know, Bobo's ruined the world or something like that. I mean, are, are we, are we to blame, uh, you and I as elitist, upper middle class uh, white dudes? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would like to blame us for everything. I mean, that seems to be a trend nowadays for the record. My family didn't get here until the 40s, escaping Europe. So I don't know how much I'm responsible for. Uh, But I think, look, the democratic problems in this state are, are deep. Okay, and there's not one thing that we're going to fix. And it's not like, oh, if you just change this, if you just tinker with this, if you just do that, 
it, it, it's all going to fix. It's all going to go away. It's systemic. It's long. It's been going on a long time. And look, this is a center right state. It is not a swing state. It is a center right state. It's performing like a center right state. Republicans have had control of it for over 25 years. Okay. Barack Obama was an anomaly in politics in general, and he provided that same sort of effect in his wins in Florida. But, but other than that, you know, this is a, a Republican state. Uh, and I tell my Democratic friends, I actually gave a speech uh, about it at the Tiger Bay Club, and, a, and I touched on this topic, is that we're so stuck in our own bubble. So, you know, I talked to my Democratic friends who are in their Democratic bubble and they, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to beat Ron DeSantis. It's not going to be close. Uh, and I'm like, listen, I'm probably the only Democrat in the country who spent two and a half years behind the DeSantis or Trump curtain and traveled a lot of this state that some Democrats have never been to in their life. And it, 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 this bubble mentality, uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable. By the way, the Republicans have their same bubble. Don't, um, that, that's my whole point is that we're in each other's bubble. We know nothing about each other. But the Democratic Party in the state of Florida is in trouble. We've been in trouble. Uh, and we're not trending in the right direction. Uh, you see the, what's happening in Washington is happening in Florida. You know, people want to get famous on Twitter. They want to send out tweets. They're not trying to pass legislation. They're happy to vote against everything, go home with nothing in the budget. And that is success. Uh, and that is not how we're going to we're going to win in Florida. One of the things that Democrats can adopt from the Republicans is we don't need to be right. We need to win. Uh, and that's what the Republicans are doing. It's literally what Mitch McConnell has been doing for a long period of time. They don't care if they're wrong as so long as they win. And we got to we got to steal a little bit of that mentality, because back to your question, Peter, I think people look at Democrats as soft, as weak. Back to your pickup truck on their boat. They just look at us as weak, as soft. They're tough guys. You know, they're macho. Uh, and they look at us in, in, in a different light. The Republican Party is the tough party and the Democratic Party is the party of professors. Um, and so. Um, you know, there's there's a lot that's got to go on in the Democratic Party. And I, in every election, I feel like we get set back even further and further. And in 2022, uh, if we have nobody in the cabinet, because obviously Nikki's running for governor, if Ron DeSantis wins reelection, and that means Democrats now have lost footing. We lost Bill Nelson. Then we'll lose the Agricultural Commission seat. We'll be set back even further. Uh, than we currently are. I, I want to ask Matt a question. You brought up Professor, but I first want to, Jared, you brought up your Tiger Bay performance. You know, not that your uh, ego needs to be uh, any bigger than it already is, uh, but uh, there you got a lot of, um, uh, I, got a, I got a lot of calls uh, from people who are like, man, you need to shut up more on the podcast and let Jared talk because He's a star. Um, you, I heard that you kind of rocked it up there. Um, I got to give you credit for that. I guess my only pushback on it is, all right, so you've been doing this spiel about kind of generic, uh, about Democrats are bad. And you just said, like, there's some people who are on Twitter, et cetera. When are you going to start naming names on some of the Democrats? Like, when are you going to get those elbows sharpened up a little bit more and say, hey, Anna Eskamani, hey, um, whomever. I don't know if that's who you're even referring to. Or, hey, Lauren Book, uh, you need to do X instead of Y. Uh, are you going to get to that point? Or 
Uh, is that going to take a little bit longer or is that not how you do business? <laughs> no. Well, first of all, it's, I'm not naming names because it's not a problem with one person, right? Uh, it, it is a thing that's happening in the Democratic Party. It started with AOC. It then built to more and more members in Washington. And then Democratic representatives here, Democratic senators here saw the success, not legislative success, because AOC hasn't passed a bill to help anybody, okay? But saw the success, saw that you're on television, saw that we got likes and tweets and retweets, and you know, saw that attention that that brought. And all of a sudden, Democrats, part of, you know, part of what their process is now, especially being in the minority, uh, seems to be not trying to move the ball down the field. I mean, look, in football, you don't throw a Hail Mary every play. You move the ball 10 yards, 5 yards, 15 yards at a time. And right now in the progressive movement in the Democratic Party, unless we get 100% of what we want, we want nothing. And we're not going to move the ball 5 or 10 or 15 yards. We're going to swing for the fences every single time. And every single time we're whiffing and we're getting nothing. That was my big debate over the Parkland bill with my Democratic colleagues a couple of years ago. Most of the Democrats voted against that bill. Why? They weren't getting everything they wanted. Hello, we were getting more gun control than we had gotten in two decades. But because we didn't get everything, we voted no, most of them. And that mentality nationally with Democrats seems to be going on. You see it in the infrastructure debate and the reconciliation debate, and you see it here in Florida. There are folks in the House and Senate, friends of mine who didn't pay attention to Twitter, were interested in legislating, were interested in moving that ball forward. Now they're building their Twitter platform because they've seen their colleagues wind up on TV and in the newspaper. And listen, we are not as Democrats. And I don't say it to critique my party. I say it because someone has to speak the truth. Someone still has to call balls and strikes. We are never going to get to power in this state. We're not going to beat Marco Rubio. We're not going to beat Rick Scott. We're not going to take the governor's mansion by tweeting. It's not going to happen. That's not leadership. And so we have to figure out how we make change around the state. And, and by the way, even the most prolific tweeters, okay, know this. Anna Eskamani knows this. She knows. She works harder than anybody, by the way, in the political process I've seen. But we, we got to figure out how we can make bills less bad. Voting no is, is great, but voting no on a bad policy, they have the votes to make it law. How do we make a bill less bad? Right. That matters. We can't stop it. We can't stop a single bill. The Republicans want to pass not a single bill, but we can make it less bad. This abortion bill, we can't stop it, Peter, but we can make it less bad. What Democrats are working on it, making it less bad? Nobody. We're just working on trying to vote no and give speeches. That's great. But we got to work with our Republican colleagues who are in control to kind of bring things back to the center. And so that's that's where my frustration is right now uh, in general. Uh, I served in that House for six years. OK, uh, I, I served under Republican leadership. I served under people like Richard Corcoran and, and with Oliva and Chris Afuli and Will Weatherford. Democrats didn't get their way ever, but Republicans were willing to listen. Right. Where we could make changes around the edges. They still got to do what they wanted to do. That has been totally dropped. I saw this session in which the Republicans just ran roughshod over the Democrats, and we didn't make stuff less bad. Uh, we got bad policy every which way. 
could rename this podcast "Eat Your Vegetables" with Jared Moskowitz. <laughs> so, <laughs> Matt, well, Matt, you um, know what it is. My, when I grew up in a political family, and when I told my dad I, when I wanted to run for for office, when I wanted to run for the legislature, my dad said, "Good luck." I, I said, "What do you mean, good luck?" He said, "Jared, the Democratic Party is so broken in Tallahassee." Um, that you're going to serve in the minority. You're going to hear rumors that we're going to take the Senate. It's never going to happen. The Republicans are, con- are in control of redistricting. And I'm not going to tell you more than that. I want you to discover it for yourself. And so for someone who does want democratic policies, progressive policies, someone who wants to do those things, I'm just frustrated that uh, we're not working to try to get to power uh, collectively in Tallahassee. It's going to be slow. It's not going to be instant gratification. Uh, and you can't swing for the fences every time. Uh, but it, we, we just, we don't seem to have a concerted effort as a party to try to do that. Well, to, to forward your, your football analogy, which everyone loves, it seems like your party sometimes has about 18 different quarterbacks in the sense that there's a lot of single issue groups that, you know, themselves have a lot of money and resources, but focus on one issue as opposed to, you know, collectively pooling resources, money, staff, talent, all that sort of stuff. It seems I, I talk to organizations all the time in, in, you know, sort of on the progressive side that that have kind of a single issue focus. And there's no sense in, in it, especially because the wide range of Democrats in this state, someone, you know, running in a, a Gainesville seat like a, a Rod Smith or, or that caliber of Democrat is much different than, than a South Florida Democrat. And there's been a lot of, you know, uh, deviation and folks breaking off from, you know, well, we're not going to support you know, a, a conservative Democrat, that sort of stuff seems to have plagued your problem for a very long time. Well, look, the purging, not, Matt, the purging of moderates in both parties has been bad for both parties. But in just Florida, if you've traveled to all 67 counties, and I've been to all of them, I've been to Dixie, and I've been to Gilcrest and Union and Bradford and Liberty and Taylor, I've been to places that most Democrats have never been and don't know a person there. Okay, Mm -hmm. and what you realize is the only way the Democrats are going to come to power in this state is a we need more of our 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 fellow Democrats to vote. But the we have to bring we have to bring Democrats that can win the seat. They're not going to be with us 100 percent of the time. Okay, but they can win the seat and they can caucus with Democrats. Uh, This idea that you have to be 100 percenter and it's happening in both parties. If that's going to be the Democratic playbook, you have to be 100 percenter. We'll not, we're not going to take power back from the Republicans. And I, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. My, well, well, my, well, that's, that's what I meant. It's, there's, there, I think there's a, a fair amount of resources and, and, and powerful folks or, or groups in your party that will only focus on South Florida, sort of more progressive races. And, and that's, I, I think there's been a sort of an internal rift with, at least in Florida Democrats for, to, to, a, to a greater degree than Republicans for quite some time. And to your point earlier, Democrats sort of want purity and, and Republicans like to win and they're better at politics as a result. I don't, I don't want to switch topics, but I'm going to switch topics. I want to go to Governor DeSantis, uh, going back to the professor's comment. Um, this week he said it might be a good thing that um, there are fewer men uh, headed to college. It's based on a a pretty big, I think, Wall Street Journal report showing that basically it's 1.5 women to uh, one man on the average American college campus, uh, which sounds like my glory days at Florida State. Um, but the um, it, I, I took that at, I think that that's like a, um, a continuing attack on elitism, on intellectualism. I, I, it's this like, um, I think it's this whole bullshit like effort to, 
let's make everybody a welder um, when that that's I, I don't know I think that that's defeatist in the long term um, it almost kind of smart smacks of some like I don't know some Gilead stuff where we start to um, look down on intellectual women and start to uh, put them in this box that they need to be dominated. I think there's a whole host of issues on it. That's my take on it, though. Matt, what did you think about the governor's statements? You can you can also that wasn't even the most crazy comment he said today or said this week. I thought the worst was actually he said that he questioned whether or not Australia uh, was less free than China. So, what did you think of the governor's? Performance this well, last my, week. my biggest takeaway on, on stuff like that, um, and it, it's come up before just in the general vein of higher education is sort of the, the two different, uh, the, the, the language that Republicans use based on what the context of the comment is. The University of Florida cracked the top five for public universities not that long ago. And that's an event where, you know, you get a press conference, you get praise for Florida's higher education system, how great the university system is. But in a different context, the different audience, they're sort of made out to be lib factories and, and these things where legislation must, you know, uh, you know, have have some impact on, on, on what and can't be taught or speakers on campus, things like that. And I think sort of the the the, the, the split in language uh, with with how universities and higher education, at least in Florida, for sure. And I, I don't pay quite as close attention nationally as I've always thought interesting. And I thought that put it fully on display there. You know, Governor DeSantis is making a point, well, you don't need to go to college because, you know, whatever college isn't necessarily the best college can, you know, is turning out progressives and it's full of progressive, you know, professors or, or what have you. But at the same time, the language sounds a lot different when, when you know, public universities are, are, are climbing the national rankings. And I think that split's been there for a long time. And I think this is sort of another, another bullet point in that. Jared, is it hypocrisy? Is it, uh, I, I think Matt brings up a good point. I, I forgot that all these folks like two weeks ago were at a press conference celebrating UF being number five. I know that they've celebrated FSU being number, uh, I think 18 or 19 in the, the rankings. And then I think I've seen some comment. I think Wilton Simpson said something like how, how they were like liberal, you know, liberal crank universities or something like that. I know I'm gonna hear about it from, Kathy, that that's not what he said, but he said something kind of off-putting about um, liberal factories about that. Um, you know, Chris Froles is always touting USF. Um, what's the deal here? What's the deal with the, the apparent uh, hypocrisy of the situation? Well, first of all, if you're looking to politics now and you don't see hypocrisy in, behind every corner, uh, it used to be, it, it, it used to sway elections. He flip-flopped. I mean, John Kerry is not didn't become president because he flip flopped. Right. He was he was a hypocrite. Now, hypocrisy is across every corner. I mean, look at this debt ceiling argument. The whole thing's hypocritical. Every single solitary thing. Democrats were for something one day. Then Republicans are in charge. They're not for it. Republicans were for something. Democrats are in charge. Now they're not for it. So I, I'm kind of over hypocrisy. I think the American voters over hypocrisy. Uh, there's there's hypocr there's hypocrisy every single day. Listen, I think the governor inartfully said what is a good point though and 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 look if you're a college male going to co going to college uh where it's two to one or three to one um you know has its advantages i've heard uh, but but i think he's a big believer in vocational education and that's not political uh he believes that we've just we that because we've had this conversation, he believes we've focused too much on telling everybody they have to go to college. And if they don't go to college, that they're a failure. Uh, and that some people 
don't need to go to college. They're not meant for college, but they could be great uh, at, at other things. I mean, look, I would love to, I would have loved to start it of air conditioning business 20 years ago and have 80 air conditioning trucks. I wouldn't be working anymore. Um, plus with college debt saddling students, I mean, to, to go to a school that you're going to then get saddled with debt to go to, and then depending upon what profession you're going to have, you could be saddled with that debt for a long period of time. And then, of course, you know, there's, you know, you might need government assistance. And so I think his point is that we have to, we have to enhance vocational uh, education. I just think he, he said it uh, in artfully, which uh, happens, um, you know, sometimes. Um, I, I think that really was his point. I, I don't think it's as political as, as we, as we're making it is that, oh, it's a, it's a macho thing or a male thing. I think obviously there's other things you could point to, but, but on this one, I think he truthfully believes in vocational education. Well, on the student loan front, there's totally a good point to be made there. I'm in my mid thirties and I'm still paying for my college degree. And honestly, I don't mm -hmm. even think I necessarily needed one. Um, well, I think who is the political editor if the political editor is listening okay matt needs help with his student loans absolutely no absolutely well, yeah absolutely aren't I, you guys I, trying to unionize or is that a secret I, I i no no it's out there i i well i i think jared makes a really good point though to, to political editors out there i think political editors everywhere and not just mine need to, to put together kitties some some folders coffee cans a venmo whatever and you know let's uh let's make let's make make paying matt dixon student loans off great again you know I mean, come on, the guy had to write a book to pay off his student loans, which Peter and I both know is not going to pay off his student loans. Hey, hey uh, do you uh, do you want to be my agent, Jared? This, this sounds I, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a good thing here. Well, listen, next time you're having your negotiation, uh, <laughs> I'm more than happy to attend. Uh, I'm more than happy to attend. What's it like to write a book, Matt? I mean, that's definitely like, you know, all I'm good at is writing 140 characters. You're having to like write page after page. Uh, well, I'm only I'm I'm mostly in the interviewing and information gathering page. I'm probably only roughly a chapter in, but it's essentially just like living in a constant sense of anxiety because I've never done this before either. It's it's very. Uh, I was glad I'm, I'm super I'm super excited about the project and to do it, but uh, as it turns out, I spent a year trying to get a get a book deal, and then all of a sudden it was here, and it was I was very you much have Jared as your agent. I mean, that was probably. <laughs> I was very much the dog who caught the car. As it turns out, uh, you can read a lot of books and still have no idea how to write them. But I'm I'm slowly figuring out my way through it. It's not not my manuscripts not due till the end of 2022, so I have a, a little time to figure it out. I know this sounds crazy. I can't believe I'm going to bring up his name, but number one, I think you should always read you know anything you can about your rivals and so forth. But I am right now like I read a bunch of books at a time. I'm a very slow reader. Um, but Jesus Christ is Mark Caputo's dad like one of the greatest writers of the last 50 years. Um, yeah. I'm just reading Rumor of War of his. And I just wonder if like you have, I mean, you have access through Politico to so many people's, you know, that are established authors and all that stuff. But Jesus, I mean, you worked uh, with, a, you know, you're one degree removed from a guy who it's just, what an incredible, um, and I don't, I, I know like, there's nothing new under the sun. So it's like, we all know like Mark, but I'm sure there's people that are just getting started in Florida politics who may not even know that that's who, where, from which, from where Mark came. And that's why I always say Mark is such an incredible writer. You know, he's just, his leads are just, they're just amazing. They're breathtaking sometimes. Um, but like his dad, I think his dad, I didn't read this article, but um, you know, his dad was like the last, one of the last journalists 
during the fall of Saigon. So he was in the news recently about how Afghanistan was not like Vietnam. But then he political magazine story in it. Yeah, he did. And he the, the story I think he won a Pulitzer for was he snuck in and hung out with what was the Afghan insurgents when they were fighting the Russians and um, uh, yep. just what a what a hell of a writer uh, with all of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Is that um, the nicest thing you've ever said about Mark Caputo or his extended family? I am effusive in my praise of Mark. Um, like I'm a son of a like Mark and I are, uh, and this uh, like you can just see Matt right now probably. Nobody's like, just, backing away. Right, he's like I don't want to be between. I couldn't resist again. Matt. I couldn't right. resist. Right, right. Um, be, be I don't hold guys, grudges. Do anything else? <laughs> I don't hold grudges as long as Mark does. Like Mark is definitely the Italian in the two of us. Like his, like he is going to hold this to his grave. I will say, number one, I still don't know exactly what started it. Like, I know what it's about, but I don't know what started it. And then, like, someone just told me, uh, like, um, we were going to do a Twitter spaces. Kevin, Kate, and I were on, uh, like, two weeks ago. And Mark didn't see that. He didn't know that I was co-hosting that. And so, like, he jumped on, then jumped right off. Kate was like, hey, come back on. He's like, ah, fucking Shorts is on there. And so, I mean, I appreciate the hate so much. It, um, I can't tell you, like, the greatest day in my life uh, professionally was the day Mark stopped doing Playbook because I would just stay up all night thinking about what he was going to get. He was much more aggressive than Mar uh, Matt or Gary are in terms of, like, he will say, like, hey, if you give that story to Shorsh, um, we're not even going to write about it. Like you've made a decision. You've shown me what your priority is. Don't. And so it would, the anxiety from that alone uh, uh, on having to like click on playbook at seven Oh one each morning to see the stories that I would miss uh, for sunburn uh, was, was nausea inducing. And so when he made that transition now um, that was one of the, one of the milestones of my career. In fact, I remember you tweeted about it, actually. Peter, if it makes you feel any better, so in the, in the six years I was in, not the eight years I was in Tallahassee, okay, uh, the two, President Company excluded, Matt, but the two people that I followed in the media and that when I interacted with them that I think I learned while I was interacting on how to interact with the media and how to deal with it, and I got better, the more I interacted with them was both you and Mark. Um, uh, I, I, I felt that when I, you, you guys do, you guys feel like maybe you have different styles, but there's a lot of similarities actually. And, you know, every time I talk to you guys, when they're working on a story, you guys trying to, you know, you know, get the scoop and all of that. I feel like I, I learned as a legislature, as a legislator, how when dealing with the press, a lot from you and Mark, who are two of the best to do it in Tallahassee period. That's very kind of you. I, I, um, you know, Matt and I have had a 10 year relationship now and it's like, you know, I, like, I just have taken such a, like, I wish people could see me now or like people back then could see me now because I do feel much more relaxed. You know, like I feel, I feel great about what we're working for. Like, I feel like we make a payroll and you know, some of the stuff that, you know, I, I read your Twitter. I don't get relaxation. 
from uh, yeah, I know. I, yeah i really don't i really don't get that sense either like you, you all the sub tweets about who's ever wronged you and the you know who you are it seems like you actually have like a you're like developing like a mafioso like you want to be you want to be omar from the wire i, I enjoy the i enjoy no, the that's... threads i enjoy the threads where he gets his point across and then stews on it for two more minutes and then retweets his own tweet with additional points stews on it for two more minutes two more thoughts out there and, and I, I like to think those sub But that's so much better than what I was like. Matt, come on. You know, I, I mean, come on. I, well, I like to think those subtweet threats are, are like the, the paper boy, like accidentally threw the paper in the neighbor's yard or something. And you're like, just, you know, good, like <laughs> no. so, something, re something really small and insignificant. Now, Peter, it's listen, there's something to be, there's something to be said about your achievement on Twitter, even though I was dogging Twitter <laughs> earlier, although you're not an elected official. I let's be honest, right? There and Matt, Matt's, Matt's in this too. I mean, there are a couple Twitter accounts in the press that people monitor like a hawk, and most of the time they don't want to be on, right? Uh, and and Peter, that you're there. I mean, you, people monitor your Twitter account, you know, and a lot of times, please, I hope he's not talking about me because then he's got some sort of story. So, you know, uh, yes, it's more like a diary of your day. But but it's definitely something to follow. I think I use it now. I mean, just you know, and I I don't want to be co-hosting here, but I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I use it a little bit more for, like I just I don't know. I feel like I got one of the chips off my shoulder. I will say that. Like I I, I put it that way. Like there still is always going to be you know and you know a rivalry with the Tampa Bay Times but it's also it's more driven by the small business owner aspect of we're always putting out the donuts and it's like if that you know that is what i envy in a very good way of somebody like Gary or Mark or even Matt not Matt seeing it now with writing a book but it's just like it when you have to like if if you don't push the rest of the team around you as good as they are and as good as they've become that kind of falls off that doesn't have anything to do with my my twitter i guess rants but i feel like i don't know i really feel like those are i, I feel they're like kinder gentler now but i guess i guess you guys are telling me as my good friends that you're telling me you're doing a little twitter intervention right now no me, no you are definitely kinder gentler you know what it all you know what gentlemen it, it is um i feel that you go through these events in your life and they do change you as a person, right? So, you know, for me, it was Parkland, then it was the pandemic. Now it's my dad uh, being sick. Uh, you know, Peter, I have no doubt, uh, you know, the struggle you went through with Michelle, right? I mean, you go through these things and they change you as a person and you realize that some of the small stuff you were sweating, uh, there, there is no replacement for health. Can't buy it can't work for it, right? Uh, a lot of it is luck and it does change you. Do you, you, you think that's true? I would add on, I mean, and I'm sorry, I didn't know about your father and now I feel like a real Shamil. Um, that's okay, I've, I've kept it, I, I've, it was in my Tiger Bay speech, but I've kept that that uh, that really quiet. Yeah, my dad- I wasn't gonna watch your Tiger Bay speech. I just promoted it and took, you know, all the credit for No, you. of course, no, why do the research? No, absolutely not. Why, why do the hard, why, why do the hard work? No, so, I mean, not that I wanna make the podcast about it, so I'll do it and just get it over with. So, you know, a lot of people asked me, you know, why I was leaving 
the job. And the truth is I have young kids and a wife and I had been away from them way more than I, than I wanted to be. My, but my dad was diagnosed with cancer uh, in July of last year uh, during the first spike of the pandemic. And I didn't want to publicize it because I didn't want people to think that I was not taking my, I was taking my eye off the ball, which I didn't. I stayed in, for the state and I stayed from July until May of the following year. But you go through these life experiences and my dad is still struggling uh, with it. And so you go through these life experiences and then you, you change. You realize the things that you thought mattered just don't matter anymore. Uh, and so uh, I, I saw that with you, at least, you know, with the experience you had with you know, with Michelle uh, in the hospital. You think that's true? I think, I'll, I'll, I mean, the pandemic going into Michelle, it was like, that was like the afterburner at the end. Like I've struggled a lot with, um, um, with just, I guess, euphoria, like highs and lows, um, not bipolar by any means, but like, just, you know, like so many other people, I just, I think the covering the pandemic nonstop, being engaged with it, nonstop, you know, you know, whatever roles we've all had. And um, like the lobbyist Kelly Cohen brought up a, a good point to me on uh, when I talked with her on our pod, she's like, you know, for the first time people back in politics, we're kind of like relevant in the sense that we have information and people like we take it for granted um, all the information we know about like, oh, they're going to close down schools in three days. Like we know that, but the parents out there they don't know any of this. And so like people are always coming to that. And so like, there's actually a great article in the Atlantic right now about the nostalgia people are having for the early days of the pandemic when we were all coming together. So I think the pandemic into that and then the Michelle thing, it, it, it you know, it just reignited my faith, which was so important, has always been important to me. Um, and, you know, just, I, 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 th I guess I'm just in awe of Michelle. You know, there's a, a funny story I, I wrote up on my Facebook page. We were up in Tallahassee this weekend. We were sitting out front in, in Southwood. You know, everybody's always walking around out there. Somebody's walking by this woman and I hear her say, I follow you on Twitter. Uh, you're kind of famous. What she really said was, she looks at me and says, I follow you on Twitter, period. And then looked at Michelle and said, you're kind of famous. I'm thinking that she wanted to talk to me and that I was like some big deal. She clearly had no interest in my tweets. She went over and talked to Michelle and was kind of like inspired by her battle. And so like, you know, it's when you're the person that you lay next to at night that you wake up with somehow like reinvigorates the inspiration that you feel from them after 10 years of marriage where you're like, this isn't seven years itch. This is 10 year, you know, um, hit the restart button in a way like that. It's very overwhelming. It's, it's completely overwhelming. I, 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 I'm still grappling with that. And that's what you get to face Matt when you go next week, segue to on your honeymoon, uh, the beginning I'm, of your I, journey. I, I mean, I'm a full five months into marriage now. So if you guys have any, any questions or you need, you need anything answered, I, I feel like, no, I, no, it's Matt. It's too late for you already. You're five <laughs> months too late. Is, I, feel is like the I, answer. I feel like I pretty much nailed it here, you know? So. Well, look, that All was right. a nice little segment. I feel like that could have been sponsored by lifetime, which was very nice. Um, <laughs> that was very, see, that's what happens with podcasts. People are like, why do you listen to podcasts? Cause you never know what's around the corner. Like, I mean, and now I'm going to be all worked up about your dad and like, God, um, all right, let's, um, I guess, should we, 
how I don't even know how long we've been going. This is Jared had Matt. Jared has this rule. He tries. He says like, "Hey, let's do a podcast where we're done in like 30, 45 minutes." I'm like, "With me and you talking, are you out of your mind? It's gonna be yeah, it doesn't uh, seem like it's work. That, that's not gonna work at all." Um, I don't know. I want to kind of do rapid fire with Matt. Jared, what do you oh. think? No, let's do rapid fire. I want to. I want to know from Matt. Uh, you know, let's let's rapid fire some things. Big deal, small deal. Does it matter? Does it not matter? Uh, Big deal. I like that's a format. Big deal, small deal. You're gonna hit Matt. Oh, I want some. From can you like produce some segue music into this though? So like leading up to this segment, there's. Oh, like, hold on, hold on. Here, do should we do like and now a word from our big deal, small deal. I love it. There we go. I I don't know which end of the um the casino of the sports betting uh debate is sponsoring this podcast but one way or the other um there's whoever pays more <laughs> that's never an issue with those people um okay yeah let's do big deal so, small deal so, I'm, with, so with i'm answering so i'm answering my uh, big deal or small deal that's the confines of their yes but it, it, right is it a big deal is the story a big deal or is it a small deal does it matter or is it doesn't I matter okay. all right you all go right, first so, here we'll go back right, so and forth. sabatini in the basement not a big deal uh, the governor's new. Go, hold on, we're going back and forth. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah I well, thought it was rapid go... fire. Oh, hey, I know. Hey, rap boom. <laughs> hey, if you guys could queue up, organ. If you could queue up, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, Annette Tadeo getting into the governor's race. Not a big deal. Uh, the governor's new surgeon general attending a demon uh, semen conference. <laughs> Big deal. I, I, big deal. I, I, I keep wanting to go into the gray areas here, but I'll stick with it. Big deal. Uh, Donald Trump endorsing Anna Polina Luna in that race. Not a big deal. Rapid fire, Jared. Let's go. Okay, I had two ready to go. I, I had those two. See, that's, <laughs> okay. So you had you had a rapid one two, and then that was going to be the segment. Yeah, I figured I would I do two, the... you would do like two or three and rapid fire. We're, we're, we're done. You know, you know what I've learned by doing a podcast? Oh we my God. <laughs> we probably should spend a couple of minutes together before we do this. You know, Pre preparation. I've only been on once, but preparation doesn't, that doesn't seem that important guys. Matt, I have tried. I have tried. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got one. That's it. So the, 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 there seems to be this attack on Chris Sprouse coming from uh, the right uh, of the Republican Party. Big deal, small deal. Small deal. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just now. I'm, I just can't stop laughing. No, no. Go, go ahead and read the ones you prepared, Peter. Let's hear them. I, no, I write. I see. I work with like a whiteboard. I've got some things going on. You know, you have a, uh, you have a whiteboard. What is this? A I tech do. startup? Oh, listen, Peter's got a staff. You know, Peter's in the room. There's 10 people behind him giving him cues. I'm here with my sheep-a-doodle, just the two of us. Um, uh, Janelle Perez jumping into Senate District 37. I, I want great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Big, bigger deal than small deal. Donald Adrian Trump. Lucas. Oh, wait, leading. it's my turn again. Oh, no, okay. go ahead. Okay. I no, thought no, you go. were at it. All right, Adrian Lucas, uh, his last day is today as we're taping this. Ron DeSantis is going to be on his third chief of staff. It's his general counsel. Big deal, small deal. What part? Adrian leaving or general? What, 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 what part of All that? All right, Adrian leaving after a relatively short term. Not, not a big deal. That was always the plan. 
and James Altmaier becoming his chief of staff. Big As deal. opposed to you and I were thinking some other people early on. No, I thought like, he was on our he was on our initial shortlist. I always thought um, I always thought he was very much in the mix. I'm not saying he wasn't but, in the mix. I'm just saying he wasn't. Oh. He he didn't jump out as the front runner. Maybe, yeah, at least not initially. Sure. Okay. All right, now you go, Jared. Okay. Wow. I, I, got, I got a real tough. I got a tough one. I got a tough one. Uh, big deal, small deal about the abortion bills already filed uh, in the House. Political or policy? Well, I mean, look. The question, the question I mean, is, I, do you, not not a big deal. The the one already filed, not a big deal, but it's still gonna. I mean, it's gonna get everyone going politically. But that bill is not gonna get a committee hearing. The the one that's currently filed is not gonna be the bill. Is I guess is all I meant. I think you're right. All right, I, I got two, Jared. So here we go. Uh, Matt Gates is not indicted yet. Big deal, small deal. I don't. Do do I have to pick? I, I guess I don't. I don't know. Um, pro- probably. I don't know. Um, the, the feds don't exactly keep me up to date. So I, I, I'm going to say small deal just because that's where I'm going to lean when I don't actually have any idea. Right, Dan Bondi. Okay. Oh, I, I just go, said I had two. All right, so go oh, ahead. No. Well, yeah, you have two. <laughs> like you were prepared. Could you, you get your Pam, you get your Pam Bondi you? question? Uh, Lauren Book uh, being removed as chair of the Children and Families Committee. Big deal. Uh, Pam Bondi, now the second Ballard Partners, uh, Trumper kind of person down in Mar-a-Lago, vis-a-vis Ron DeSantis for 2024. Is it a big deal? No, not not a big deal. I'm just going to argue the opposite on that real quick. I just think that having... (laughs) I, I think that having Susie Wiles and Pam as the two highest ranking, I'm not saying that they're necessarily the ultimate or whatever, but they are pretty high up there now. And they were both pretty much non they're at this point, they are not team DeSantis. Uh, I just, I just think that the, I just think that the forthcoming Trump DeSantis showdown, which has well, to happen. Oh yeah. has to happen. I, I, I don't I think. think so, it, I mean, so let's hold on. This is the end of the big deal, small deal segment. Now we'll transition <laughs> into Donald Trump's running for re-election. I Go think ahead. this would be the Jared Moskowitz podcast featuring Peter Shorsh or something because he's he's <laughs> he's got it down here. I I, I honestly I, I want Jared to be the star, but you know he uh, he's clearly not. Uh, great about scheduling uh, or preparing or following a script. So until we get it, all he wow. thinks that you can make money. He thinks you can make money by going to Tiger Bay's. And I, I, I've been trying to tell him that, you know, and the you, only it, thing you get is. And you think so by watching <laughs> Netflix in the middle of the day. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for that assist. No, but let's, this is a good way to kind of, you know, get out of that segment because it was a great question and it's a very interesting answer. I think we all agree, maybe not, let's hear that we all agree Donald Trump is running for re-election. Barring his health, it's clear he's running for re-election. He's retooling the team 
Uh, and what is that going to mean globally? And what is that going to mean for uh, the governor, who clearly uh, has his eye on that seat as well? Well, the reason I, the reason I said little deal in, in the, the confines of that segment was just because, you know, you said be severe on DeSantis running for election and, and Susie Wiles and him are already well known, you know, with Susie there, I don't know how it could get much worse. So I, I guess by little deal, I simply meant that wasn't going to be a DeSantis friendly space to begin with. I don't know how much worse it could get. Uh, I just uh, I just wonder when that is going to come to a head. I, I feel like there's just so much. um I, just so much palace intrigue there. I feel bad for Susie in a way. I, I just feel like she's the one that has to go and bring the like typed out press release to Trump to sign off on. And like, where he's just like, oh, this doesn't say sad enough, add more exclamation marks. And I'm like, you know, she's such a top level operator. And I know she's working for an ex-president now and that should be prestigious enough, but it's just like, God, it just, it feels a little bit like I don't know, beneath her in a way. Ooh, FedEx is here, and I know what that is. That is my new iPhone 13. So we're going to wrap this up. Matt, this segment when, brought to you by FedEx? Is that <laughs> they're outside. Um, Matt, you're going to be gone for a couple weeks. Um, when you come back, what's going to be your big story focus that you're going to be working on? Um, I, I genuinely, um, uh, honestly, haven't thought that far in advance. There is a committee week the first week of November. I'm probably going to transition to a a pretty focused redistricting reporter because that process starts to, starts to play out. So I don't have a specific answer on that, but my guess is I'm going to be jumping into the redistricting weeds. Jared, it's October, the second best month of the year or the best month of the year. I don't know. Some, some people say December. What do you got lined up? Like you're starting to make moves on the street, these Tiger Bays. I mean, I'm worried I'm going to lose you here soon. What do you got lined up for this month? Yeah, no, look, you're not losing me uh, anytime, uh, anytime soon. I, I, look, I, 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 the truth is I ended my Tiger Bay speech with this line, which is uh, I'm in purgatory right now, and I'll let you know when I'm getting out. Uh, and I put myself there. I mean, again, between, you know, me having young kids, I, did, I never quarantined with my family. Right. I mean, I didn't see my kids for four years. When I left, they were five and two. You know, they're going to be eight and five uh, in October, November uh, of this year. And then obviously, you know, with my with what's going on with my dad, I mean, you know, now for me is just not the time to spend more time away from my family. But look, uh, there are the one thing that is that is constant unless, of course, there's another insurrection, uh, is that there'll be plenty of political offices to run for in the future. So we'll see. I, I agree with Matt. I'm really interested in redistricting. Uh, I think that between the Republicans having the courts and them doing this all online now and not, uh, not doing the usual roadshow, the temptation to draw whatever map they want is going to be so big. I do know that, you know, people like Kathy Mears, who was in the House and watched the Senate draw uh, unconstitutional maps in the past. I know how she felt about that. So uh, I do think that there are going to be confines. I think they want to try to, you know, move the ball as much as they can to their side without but still staying in the box. But there's a real question. Does fair districts matter anymore? Is it still in effect? I mean, you know, we pass constitutional amendments all the time, and then it seems like the political establishment ignores them. So I'm intrigued to see where it's all going to go. I will zag on that. God, I don't want to continue this, but I actually think uh, Florida's redistricting, not to like take away the storyline because I know we have to go through it, uh, will be a lot like Texas. Um, I think the, the lines are pretty much there. If you're Wilton Simpson, 
this is about as good as it gets anyways. Um, you can maybe nibble at the edges, but I think you see like in the CD 13 races, Gary Finout's excellent reporting shows, you know, candidates still matter. Um, so if you have three kind of far right candidates and you still have a district that is, you know, 34, 30, 27, or whatever that works out to be, um, you know, that anybody can still win that. But I think it's going to end up like, I think, you know, if you follow Dave Wasserman on uh, redistrict or at redistrict, the re overall, the redistricting period has not gone as bad for Democrats as they thought. They're doing better in Oregon. They're doing better uh, in, I think, Illinois. I think they're doing much better in New York because they were able to rule there. And then in Texas, where they have basically the same situation that they have here in Florida, their legislators are basically saying, hey, we're up 25-15. You know, I remember Corcoran. Corcoran off-grid would always say, listen, you know, you can't let the herd get too big. It, you know, then if you got 81 members, I think is what he had or something like that, you know, it's hard to feed that many mouths. And so there may be, this is about the right numbers uh, for Democrats or for Republicans, I think. So that's, I'm just going to, I'm going to go there. All right, let's, um, let's, uh, wrap this up. Our guest today has been uh, Matt Dixon of Politico Florida. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. He's working on a book. Keep an eye out on that. You can follow him at mdixon55. Don't follow him on Sundays if you don't want to hear about the Green Bay Packers. Best time um, to follow me. <laughs> him complaining about the sports bars closing early in Tallahassee is Half always time. good. I got kicked out of a sports bar at halftime of Monday Night Football game. It's ridiculous. I regret nothing. Jared Moskowitz. Jared, always good. I'm glad we got this in and uh, we'll come back. Let's get on a schedule this next October, uh, next week's of October, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. All right, thanks, guys. See ya.